everybody. Welcome to the Let Me Make It Plain podcast. We're on episode four. This is Davon and Tyler. There you go. Say what's up to the people, Davon. Hey, what's up? How's it going? Every single podcast we start off saying, uh, "You want to?" I always say, "You want to start? Or you want me to?" He says, "You got it, my guy." It's literally every single time. So I usually start because because that <laughs> there's okay. no real rhyme or reason to it. That's just the reason why. Exactly. So, so. thanks for listening. Number four. Uh, we have slowly started to uh, decline in our listeners, even though we've been getting, I feel like we've been getting better every week. We have been. But the first week was the most trash week out of all of them. And it has the trash, most listeners, trash, too. But it has like 100 yeah, we had the, people. But we had so much hype. That's true. Like, we did get people. Everybody were, they were just waiting to listen to us. That's after, true. Like, that's, that's true. kind of the era that we're in right now. That's true. Even the ad that I put out for number two had people start listening to number one. I'm like, I get that you want to start from the beginning, but we just listen to the ones Do that are good. we just delete the first one? Right. I'm like, we're <laughs> just going to start Let's with episode redo it. two. <laughs> oh, we could do that. It would just be on the Spotify weird. Anyways, yeah. we're doing all right. This week's been hard and we're going to talk about it, but we wanted to do it with you guys. We've had our conversations ourselves, and we want to make this as kind of candid as possible. But mm-hmm. this week, something happened with Davon, and I'll kind of let you go into it if you're feeling comfortable with it yeah um so it would have been two days ago i got pulled over if you guys are following us on facebook you guys can actually see the post mm-hmm. um that a post i think now has around like 56 shares or something like that which i did not expect for it to blow up yeah like that but no i got pulled over um on my way back home and it's it was a block because away from home right huh the okay. block literally a block away from home it's because my tags were expired. Like, yes, they were expired. Like, yes, pull me over for that. That's cool. Like, you have every right to. But once he got over to my car, he asked me um, for my license and registration, gave him my license, and then he, like, kind of looked around a little bit more, and he was like, do you have any, like, drugs or guns in the car that I should worry about? I'm like, no. I'm like, I don't have any of that. Um, he's like, okay. And then he walked away and, like, looked at my license and everything. Then he came back again. When he came back, he, like he just started like looking around my car again, and he was like, "Are you sure that there's not any drugs or car? Like, there's not any drugs or guns in here?" And I'm like, "Bro, like, there's nothing <laughs> in here." Um, I'm like, "You can search it if you want to." He was like, "The only reason why I'm asking is because you got black ice like hanging on your uh, rearview mirror." I just looked at him like I've been using that since I was a senior in high school, and I had my first car, 1991 Honda Accord. <laughs> it was busted. Uh, <laughs> bought it for five hundred dollars. That's but um, good price. Yeah, it is. But no. So then, like after that, he was like, "Well, would you mind if I search your car?" And like at that point, I'm confident and like that I don't have anything in there. But also, I can't say no. Because if I say no, then that makes him uncomfortable. If yeah. I make him uncomfortable, then he's going to think that there's something that I'm hiding, that there is a gun in there. And then it, just in his mind, he is unsafe. And then that puts me in an unsafe environment because he really couldn't do his job well. Yeah. Um, and so after that, uh, he asked me to step out of the car after I agreed to him searching it. And then he pulls me over to his vehicle yada 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 puts my hands on the hood tells me that he's going to pat me down and search me searches me thoroughly like my dude was putting his hands in my pockets like close to my junk i'm like bro like you don't need to be that close to me um and so after that's done he asked me to stand over in the corner um like on on a corner we were like right on the right on the side of the street 
And he's like, make sure that you don't put your hands in your pockets so I can feel comfortable and safe while I'm searching through your car. You know, you can't be too safe nowadays. And I was just like, my face is like, I can't believe that he just said that. Because one, you just searched me. Yeah, I was about to say, he literally just put Like, literally just put your hands in all my pockets. Like, you should know that I don't have anything. Um, and you're worried about me making you feel safe. Like, I feel like I feel like my life is threatened right now. Yeah. If I even reach, like, inside of my pocket, like, I'm going to get shot. Um, but I was just like, okay. Um, so he went, searched, started searching my car. Another cop. Two cops come around, do a U-turn, <laughs> and just pull up on me. And uh, the other cop like stops searching my car to go and talk to the other cops. And he's like, "Oh, I'm just doing a stop and search." And it's like, oh, "I don't even know what that means." So oh, they like so he goes back to search my vehicle. And while he's searching my vehicle, one of the other cops is just talking to me, um, just chopping it up a little bit. And then he says, "Where do I know you from?" And I say, well, I work at Chick-fil-A, so we give officers like uh, free meals all the time. So you probably know me from there. He's like, well, no, I don't go into Chick-fil-A, so I wouldn't know you from there. What, what's your name? I know that I know you from somewhere. Just insinuating that I have a criminal background that he knows me from and that there's a reason that the other cop is searching my vehicle. Was it like the tone of his voice? Like, how could you kind of tell that? Well, it wasn't really – like, he was laughing while he was saying it. And so – it's just more like the insinuation yeah. part of it. And it's like, no, like I, I don't go to Chick-fil-A, so I know it, it has to be from somewhere else. Um, him really just trying to play it off and like looking at his partner, like who was standing like right behind me. And I was like, bro, I can't even see you in my vision right now. Like, yeah. what are you doing? For sure. Um, so I was like looking like a crackhead, like looking back and yeah. forth, um, looking all nervous. But no, so then like the other cop finally got done searching my vehicle and then he came back and he's like, all right, there's nothing in there. And like, he just kept on walking, like pissed off that he didn't find anything. And so I didn't even say like, have a good day or anything like that. Just like kept he's on going. Good, yeah. I wanted to say, cause he didn't check my trunk. <laughs> and I was like, bro, you didn't check my trunk. Are you sure you're done? But I didn't, <laughs> I didn't want to good escalate job. the situation anymore. But no, literally could not sleep after that night. Yeah. It's, so I kind of want to ask. I mean, you said you were turning your head back and forth. There were people around. How was your body feeling at that moment? Was there just a heightened anxiety? Was your heart racing? What was your thought process in those moments? I you handled it well, yeah. but that doesn't mean that you didn't feel a type of way. Yeah. I mean, it's not the first time that I've been pulled over. Um, it's the first time that I've been searched, not the first time that I've been pulled over. And so... It's kind of like, all right, I know kind of the procedure. I know not to make the other cops feel nervous. And so I think I was more nervous and like my senses were heightened or I don't know. Like I just felt anxious yeah. about me doing the wrong thing. Like that um, you would do something accidentally. That yeah, would yeah. like them. I had my phone in my hand and I was texting and I was like, bro, like I can't even put my phone in my pocket right now yeah. like i have to keep my phone in my hand and like i have the iphone 7 plus so i already know that they're gonna like look over at me and make an excuse like oh it looks like a gun like yeah <laughs> and so black case yeah. yeah i don't know so like that's kind of what was going through my mindset the whole time and they probably thought like oh he, he's probably recording us and like bro i don't even care about recording you like yeah. i don't even know your name like i'm just trying to get out of this alive yeah. at this point for sure and so yeah it's kind of I think that 
when we look at the comments and, and the Facebook posts, it looks like that happens a lot because there's so many different people, especially black people. Well, I would say only in the comments, at least only yeah. black people that said, yo, bro, that happened to me last week. Yo, bro, that happened to me a little bit ago. And it just seems like there is, even if it's not a, nothing comes out of it. And even if it, you end up safe and back home sleeping at night, there's still a kind of a traumatic experience with feeling like you are in danger with people who you're supposed to feel comfortable and safe around. Right. Yeah. So you posting on Facebook and if you guys see this, I would definitely say to go check it out. Cause just from my perspective, it's incredibly well written. It's really interesting take on what happened. So definitely go check it out. We'll post another link to it in our description or whatever we end up doing, but I kind of lost my train of thought, but you so you speaking in such a elegant way, a lot of people might not have the same opportunity to do that. Can you kind of speak on a little bit why you think this issue is so like hidden under the rug, but also so apparent at the same time? Yeah. And so like how you pointed out um, on the Facebook comments, like all my black friends were like, bro, this happened to me two weeks ago. Or like, oh, this happened to me two years ago. Like, oh, I was in Missouri a couple years ago and I got stopped and searched for no reason. Yeah. Um. And then you got all of my black, I mean, my, all of my white friends on there, like, I love you guys too, but just saying, oh, I'm sorry, we live in such a fallen world and blah, 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 just stuff like that. Like, hey, I love you guys, but just so you guys know, like, I'm sorry is not the best thing to say in that situation because, like, when you, when you tell somebody I'm sorry, like, you expect them to say, oh, it's okay, it's fine. Like, I'm going to get through it. Yeah. But... Like I can't say, oh, it's okay, it's fine, because it's not fine. Like, what do you, what are you saying that you're sorry to? Like, sorry doesn't really fix anything. Um, and I know that you guys don't have the answers, and you guys care. Yeah. And so, but just like future notice, like just don't say, oh, I'm sorry <laughs> that we live in this fallen world. Um, I'm sorry that you had to go through that. Like, I'm, I'm sorry too. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so, what would you rather have somebody do in a situation like that? Um, because I think, and I know that you think this exact same thing. Very well intentioned. Yeah, no, no, no. Very well. I mean, that was one of my first responses as yeah, well. As it was. I'm, I'm sorry, and so of course it's not like, oh, I'm gonna make you feel like you're apart from me. At the same time, how would you rather have that situation handled for yourself personally? Um, just people just saying, hey, like I love you. Uh, I don't see that in you, or the the stories that are writ or wrote about you, um, and cops' eyes or. And media's eyes, it's not true. Yeah. Uh, and just kind of more like reaffirming. For sure. Um, like my humanity. Because like after that, you feel like a second class citizen. Mm. It's Yesterday was pretty hard for me because like just everywhere that I went, it's like I felt like less than like an, an American or like a citizen here. Uh, I felt like I had less rights. And like, yes, I on paper, I have equal rights. But in reality, I don't. And as a black person, like you're able to compartmentalize that a little bit. And so like you can walk around in freedom. But then like once you get hit with that reality again, it's such a barrier like to try and overcome to like regain that confidence that you have. And so it's kind of like a thing like where you fake it till you make it. It's like yesterday, like I didn't even feel like myself at all. Um, And so it was kind of kind of hard, kind of had to like put on a front for people. 
um, most of the day until I could like finally like re- remember who Davon was. Right. Yeah, I feel like <clears throat> things like that. We always talk about the fact that a lot of things, especially from, mm, I'm not even going to politicize this, but make it seem like the things that aren't quantifiable on paper, the things that aren't able to be written down and say, well, these are the statistics and this is what actually happens. Those things can shield people from actually being able to empathize with somebody to say, I know that this is what's on paper, but this is how you feel. So how can we merge those things together? Do you have, and this might be a writ like, this is a question that we can never answer, but just for you yourself personally, how can you merge something where you're going to have people who are always going to be fact-based? There's people that are like, your facts don't care about your feelings, but our experience in life has to do with feelings as well. We're not just living as robots factually. So how can we merge those two things together in a way that makes somebody feel comfortable while also understanding that, I don't know, I'm rambling. No, you're good. Um, I think there's truth to facts. But there's also truth to feelings. Um, you can't tell somebody that their feelings aren't valid because they are feeling it. Yeah. Um, there's a reason why they are feeling that. And so I think for the people that are just like based like solely on facts, you can't really speak to a person who is feeling an emotional like roller coaster at that time mm-hmm. because you're going to throw these numbers at them. They're like, bro, I don't really care about those numbers that's not how I feel right now. Right. And so to kind of like bridge that gap, if you're all about the facts and all about the numbers, hang out with that person that feels, mm-hmm. um, that is going through those emotional valleys, um, that they don't really care about what the statistics told them last week about the number of like black people that got pulled over versus the number of the white people got pulled over. Like that's, it doesn't really even matter. Um, in that can, moment. In that moment. Uh, because at that moment they feel like their life is threatened because they just got pulled over. Yeah. Um, and they see that like all these black people like dying on TV Yeah. and just this, that, and the other, but you want to throw these numbers at them. It's like, well, there's more white people that got pulled over last year. Yeah. Um, and so I think just like sitting down, building a relationship with them and seeing where they're coming from and then they might be wanting to listen to you about the facts. Like facts are true. Yeah. But also like some facts are very skewed as well. Yeah. Um, with like the demographics of different areas and just stuff like that. And For so sure. you just got to be very careful about where you get your facts from. Yeah. I think there's definitely a happy medium of making sure that somebody sees. I actually was thinking about this a little bit <clears throat> after our last podcast because we talked about Free City in the church <laughs> and oh. you made a comment there was too many white people there and i think that when we have conversations <clears throat> it's like a lot of people can hear that and we write our own narrative when we hear our own thing so you had a very you, your thoughts were i hate white people and there are too many white people there so i didn't want to be around mm-hmm. white people it was the culture that i'm surrounded within and the things that i'm called to be within in a church white culture in itself is just not exactly what I feel comfortable around. So I wanted to go somewhere else. Not the, I don't want to be around white people. But I think when somebody hears something like that, especially people who might not spend as much time with people of color hear that they think, Oh, that's, I don't know, reverse racism. Oh, they're being racist towards white people. And while that is valid, it's, it's so much more than that. So just like spending time with somebody, 
also ask more questions instead of just taking something at face value and writing yeah. your narrative about it because I think that's where things get super, super messed up. <clears throat> so I heard that I had this really cool conversation the other day with uh, a friend, Corey Clutter. He's a mm. real estate agent here. I was, <laughs> I'm searching for whatever the heck I'm going to do here in the future. And so I was talking to him, like, is real estate something that would be worth going into? And I found out that it's definitely not for me because I just, I just couldn't do it. But we ended up, God is really good. And so in the conversation that I thought was going to be about real estate, we ended up driving back in the car and talking about racism in America, which is a ridiculously crazy conversation that I so didn't expect to have. Yeah. Uh, but he just adopted a kid or took in a kid uh, to his home. And he's a, they're a white family, and his kid is a black kid, uh, and he goes to a school that is predominantly white. And so he was talking about racism and how sometimes when somebody just immediately is called racist, that word is really hard because there's a connotation that if you just walk up to somebody and call them racist, they're instantly going to shut down. That being said, there are certain things that show subtle racism, and we had this conversation. He had this really cool picture uh, that he said that I kind of molded a little bit into what I'm going to say now. That was, say there's a kid in your front yard and he's playing with a ball and he whips a ball through your window in the middle of winter and the window shatters. The parent comes over and says, hey, you know, this he really didn't mean to. Like, we're good, right? And so on their end, of course, it's really easy to say, hey, we're good, right? Mm -hmm. Just like this is kind of symbolizing white people. We can talk about 400 years ago in slavery and say 400 years ago, frick, shit. It's been subtle slavery ever since then. But yeah. however long ago, <clears throat> we're good, right? Like I didn't do what the slave owners did. Like I didn't keep slaves for myself. Like we're cool, right? But that person, the person that's the homeowner with the window that's shattered and the cold air blowing in still feels the depth of that. And so they might not be ready to say, yeah, we're good. Yeah, I accept you. Yeah, I know that you didn't mess with me but or that you didn't have me as a slave, but I'm still hurt. Like there's this middle ground where we can't just pretend like everything's okay. As white people, we have to be very, very careful to say, hey – I know I didn't do this, but I'm not just going to say we're good, right? Like yeah. I'm going to make sure that our relationship is to the point where we know that and I'm not just assuming. And it just – this is – the scenario with you and the cops just really seems like one of those instances. It seems like we are able to justify things that happened – and say we're good, right? When you are still feeling hurt and you're still feeling broken and you're still feeling scared and you are absolutely not the only one. Yeah. And just to go back to the, because I didn't even answer your first question that you asked me <laughs> about the Facebook post um, oh, yeah. about not being the only one and me speaking out against that. I know that I'm not the only one and I just wanted to post that post on Facebook just to get that story out um, because I know God has gifted me in a way to write um, and actually like process my emotions and convey them in a, I don't know, in a way that creates like imagery mm -hmm. in people's head. Like it breaks down barriers as well. 
For sure. Um, and so that's like one of my spiritual gifts is kind of being able to speak into racial tension amongst like different races. Yeah. Uh, and so like this was just a perfect platform that God like just kind of lobbed to me. Because mm-hmm. um, I, I pray about him to use me like in multiple different ways. And I just never know like what it's going to be. This time it just so happened to be that I got pulled over um, by a cop. And so he's like, all right, well, you want me to use you like here? Here's your platform. Yeah. Um, and so it just it would have been a great disservice to a lot of people. Uh, if I wasn't able to share my story because like, I just look at the comments on there, like all my black friends are like, yeah, this happened to me. Like we're in this with you. Like this happened to me. Keep your head up. I'm like, no, like I'm, I'm I, like, yes, you're in this with me. Like, yes, we're in this together. No, I'm not just going to keep my head up and just keep on moving forward because if we just keep on doing that and we don't speak our voice and speak our peace, nothing's going to change. And like, yes, we might feel like we're fighting a battle that's never going to, that we're never going to win while we're here on this earth, but we owe it to our kids and our kids' kids to keep on fighting this battle yeah. so they can win in the future, so they can have minor victories and like they might be the people that look back to us and say, okay, look at what my great-grandpa did. Look at what my dad did for me. I'm going to keep on fighting this fight. Yeah. We can't teach them to be quiet. And so that's what I refuse to do. For sure. How can me, as a white person, and any white person listening, how can we step in and help in this? Um, I think as a white person, the best thing that you guys could do is speak to your white friends because um, we a lot of the stuff that your white friends are going to say they're not going to say around their black friends like <laughs> I would sure hope not um, but you letting them just keep on talking um, and saying those racist things without addressing that yeah. is just the same as you speaking those racist things because you're letting that go on and that's going to affect their mentality yep. and that's going to allow them to treat people differently for the rest of their lives. Talk to them. Um, and so I think that's what like the first step like is to do is to go out and speak to your white friends. Second thing I would say is go out and just create relationships and communities that you don't look like them. Like go out to the black communities and like don't just go out there to leech off of them and say like and to post pictures about them and say, hey, like these are my black friends that I hang out with all the time. Like please don't do that. I just like have authentic relationship with people that do not look like you. Maybe it's one or two people at the beginning. Yeah. Um, and then that will grow into more of an understanding. Um, that'll grow into more of a depth of feelings and empathy for them, especially for the people that just like talk on facts. Yeah. Um Go and just build relationships with people that don't look like you. And people that – and by people that don't look like you, I don't mean like the black stock owner that lives in like your same cul-de-sac. Like that doesn't really count as much. Like yes, they're still black, but they're not really going through as much of the same struggles as somebody that's struggling like socioeconomically um, in the poverty lines. Mm. And so, yeah – yeah, that 100% makes sense. I think that from a white person taking the advice that you just gave, I think that for my white brothers and sisters that I'm speaking to right now, it's not fair that this is the case, but for your people who are 
showing more more than subtle racist tendencies, they're going to be able to hear about racism a lot more easily from a white person than they are from somebody of color. Yeah. And that's messed up, and that's not how it should be, and we understand that. But if you walk up to them, it's so much more unassuming for somebody that's their friend or somebody that they know and somebody that's their own skin color to at least start to chip away at the ice. Mm -hmm. You're not just going to, for the most part, I mean, God can do it. Don't, don't get me wrong. Oh, won't he do it? (laughs) But he can break those barriers down in one conversation. Mm -hmm. But for some people who have been in it for so long, especially your older family members, it's going to take a lot of time and it's going to take a lot of conversations. It's going to take a lot of you having to stand up. And so if you really want to fight against this, if you want to be this idea of anti-racist, like be in it for the long haul. Don't just do it because it's trendy. Yeah. <laughs> Straight up. Because it's really trendy to be fighting for or in communities of color or multi-ethnic right now. But if you aren't willing to do the hard things and go into neighborhoods that you aren't comfortable with and, and step into scenarios where you feel super uncomfortable, then – I don't want to tell you to step away because I think everybody needs to have a little bit of that experience, but it's, it's not easy. Yeah. It's, it's not all for social media and people to say that you're a good dude Mm -hmm. or a good, good woman because it's a lot deeper than that. Well, some people just do need to just step away from going into inner city communities and just stuff like that because they feel like... You think so? Yeah, I really do think so. I was a little scared to say that. No, dude, you're good. Yeah. Um, not everybody is gifted, um, in the aspect of being able to go into an inner city community wholeheartedly and not want the glory for it. Um, a lot of, a lot of white people, (laughs) we're not an anti-white podcast. (laughs) Oh Oh my gosh. I'm going to post that. I'm going to put a (laughs) timestamp right on whatever this time. It says 782 on freaking garage. Oh my gosh. About 30 Um, minutes in. I'm going to put a timestamp. We are not anti-white. We are not anti-white. We just know that there's just a lot of problems that go around with with any race, like any race. For sure. So, and one of these days we're going to have somebody on here that's going to be able to talk about issues a lot deeper than what we're able to talk about right now because yeah. and and please think and remember your point that you're just going to make but all of my experiences are not from reading books i wish i could say that they were because i'm i just can't sit and read like it's just not in my dna but my experiences and my knowledge and my heart has come from just being with people yeah and that's why we're let me make it plain because I'm not going to give you this big good dictionary definition of <laughs> what the hell I'm talking about. I just can't. That's not that's not how I'm ingrained. But I'm ingrained with a big heart. Mm-hmm. And if you have a big Ooh. heart, okay, huh? Keep on going. Oh, I thought you were giving me good. shit for that. No, <laughs> but if you have a big heart and you've been told by your friends and you've been told by your people around you that you have a big heart, then use that big heart for something special. Yeah, because you are not given that big heart to just sit at home alone and talk about. I mean. Uh, this is a lot deeper. Mental health is something that we're going to talk about here soon, and that hinders you from doing that. But if you have that big heart, let God use it. Yeah. Whether you believe in God or not, and whether you're listening to this and you believe in God, like you have a reason for who you are, and go use that for whatever you feel called to, whatever you feel mm-hmm. is the greatest good, because there is so much pain in this world that needs to be taken care of, and you might not fix it all, but you're going to at least be a part of helping, and that's extremely important. Please, I'm ranting today. What was your point? Do you remember it? <laughs> um, yeah, I do remember it. Okay. Uh, so this is kind of a little bit backwards from what you just said. Because um, some of y'all feel 
like you need to go into the inner city. <laughs> and But that feeling is just the feeling of you wanting to get the glory from that and making the inner city your golden calf. Mm. Um, and so that becomes more of your God than actually God is. Like you want to receive the praise from being in the inner city. You want to receive the praise from doing work there from like all your suburban friends. That's uh, – yes, I love that you're trying to help. Yes, I love that you're getting out of your comfort zone, but it's all about where your heart is with it. Mm -hmm. And if your heart is more about you receiving the glory, then that's not really you doing the Lord's work. That's you doing your work um, to feed your own pride. For sure. And And so the Lord can use it. The Lord can use it. But but (laughs) (laughs) the thing is is that you're causing hurt. In that community, by doing oh that, my gosh, yeah. um, that you you don't see it and you don't understand it, and like I don't expect you to, um, so like don't please don't think that I'm just coming at you in this, but I'm just speaking truth to you. You're doing more hurt and more harm to a community that you don't really want to get down on your hands and knees with and just do life with them. Yeah. Um, than you would do if you were just talking to your white brothers and sisters back at your home church or your home community and saying, hey, like this is what's going on over there. This is what we need to talk about and fix about ourselves. I'm going to be in here with you guys to do it. Ooh. I have a couple of friends that live over there. We meet sometimes, but I'm not actively in that community yeah. um, just because I want to receive the praise for it. You know, you want me to start podding? You start podding. That example that I went and talked about earlier with the broken window, some people are called to go help patch that window up and Mm -hmm. go sit with that family inside that house and help patch it up. And some people are called to go talk to the person who threw that damn ball through the window and say, yo, why do you feel like it's okay for you to pretend like everything's all good when it's not? So be one of those people. (laughs) If you want to fight against this, be one of those people. But let your conviction show Mm – whether or not you should go into that house and patch it up or whether you should go to that white person and say, yo. Why'd you throw that ball? Why'd you? And even not like, oh, I, you couldn't control what your little kid did with that ball. But you can control the conversation you have after that and yeah. say, no, you need to go fully. It's, man. It's so deep it's that so it's deep. hard for us to get into just with this podcast. And so already, once again, yeah. we are not anti-white. Um, do you want to answer that? Sorry, I had a phone call from the vet. My dog got his balls chopped off today. Yep. Anyways, so we're not anti-white. You want to continue with that? I think that's Last. just <laughs> – no, I'm just not – we're not anti-white. We love – I love white people. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's funny so, that you have to even say that. I know, right? Uh, well, I just want to make sure that people know. They're just like me talking about real stuff doesn't mean that I, do, like, that I hate them. Yeah. Um, like – a lot of people, when you call out their faults, uh, when you get deeper under the surface and they're comfortable with getting, then they'll take it as, okay, well, he doesn't like me as a person that I am. Um, yep. He doesn't like the skin color that I am. Like That's not true at all. There's just certain things that just need to be addressed that other people are too scared to address, but I'm not scared to do it. Yeah. And so that'll come off as hate or that'll come off as me being inconsiderate um for sure but if you knew me and you actually sat down with me and had conversations with me you would find out that i'm actually one of the most empathetic people that you know for Um, sure oh my gosh yeah and so that's why we're such good friends yeah yeah and same goes for this too and i want to point this out a little bit is we say well we need to take some time to listen 
to people of color. And same thing goes if you're uncomfortable and if it, it hits you and you get frustrated or you get sad or scared or whatever, like your opinion is totally valid too. Mm-hmm. Are we trying to validate uh, something that's potentially racist? Absolutely not. And I'm not calling that racism per se. <laughs> it, it depends. It depends on the situation. But your feelings are valid as well. And that's why it's really important for white people who are called to fight against racism to talk to white people too. Yeah. So I think we came pretty full circle with that. We did. Right? Yeah. So on the concept of talking to somebody, man, we are stuck in a crisis of mental health in this point in life. And we just want to say R.I.P. Juice World. R.I.P. Um, as much as his music was incredible, as much as he was a face of one of the, one of the faces of the newer generation, it's... And I don't want to take away from him and his life and his importance, but it seems to be pointing to a much greater picture. And so we just kind of want to be candid. I mean, this entire podcast, usually we write down some things that we want to talk about. Really, we said, let's talk about the police situation. Let's talk about uh, the mental health situation with young kids and just in America right now. And so none of this is written down. This is kind of all off the top. And we're just wanting to talk from the heart because... This breaks our heart as well, and the drug crisis and the mental health crisis is a big deal. And so, what were your initial thoughts when you heard the news? My initial thoughts that <clears throat> it hurt. Um, I I didn't know how to process it because, like, the first thing that I saw was like, okay, well, he had a seizure in the Chicago airport. It's like, all right, well, like. Actually, my first thought was, is this actually real? Yeah. Um, Which is so and, messed up. Yeah. But I had to go and like actually do research just because it's like, all right, I need to make sure like this isn't just one of those fake deaths yep. scenarios. And then once I did see that it was real, I was like, damn, like how old was he? Yeah, he was only 21. He just turned 21 last yeah. week. Yeah. And after that, just like thinking back to his music and like how he lived, I'm like, bro, I really hate this younger generations like drug epidemic and like them thinking that popping pills and drinking lean and like Xanny like that's cool like that's a cool thing to do and when this is a direct correlation of like his seizures like he didn't have any medical issues it's just that he drank so much lean and popped so much pills and he had a bad trip and he ended up having a seizure and dying it's so to give you guys kind of the full story, at least from what I've seen from reports, and so this is called all like allegedly yeah. happening. I mean, it seems like it's pretty good evidence. It's come from a lot of people, but he was traveling with a ton of drugs. He had like a bunch of weed, a bunch of pills, and he got on his private jet. And the pilot called the police and said, "Hey, he's got all this stuff with him." So the police were waiting for him to search his stuff when mm-hmm. he landed. And I don't even, uh, I'm going to say it. He supposedly, from what we've heard, he allegedly took some of those pills and took too many because he didn't want the police to find out. He didn't want the police to see him. And he took too many pills and ended up overdosing. And once again, we see this in the last two or three years with people overdosing on things that either they have taken so much that they build up a higher tolerance and they feel like they need to keep taking them or 
they ended up being in a state where they aren't able to talk to things, talk to people about things because their fame is so high and all people want them to do is produce music about mm-hmm. drugs that they don't have the chance to numb the things that are actually going inside them without taking drugs. Yeah. And it's sad, it's scary, it's hard, and I don't even know these people, never met these people, of course, listen to their music, so I kind of feel like I know them a little bit, but another person who it hurt me to the depths of me was Mac Miller, Mm. because if you talk about influential artists for me growing up, like he definitely wasn't the most influential person within rap, but he was somebody that I listened to very often growing up he's i went to a couple mac miller concerts i just really thought he was a cool dude yeah and when his new album swimming came out i was blown away because i was so excited it seemed like he was on the up and up it seemed like he was getting past the addictions and the things that he was struggling with he's getting past his depression and seeing the light of things and then a couple months later he overdoses as well yeah what what like that's it's hard for us to say what it actually is but what do you feel like is the real underlying problem here well i just want to speak to this and just say that it's just a depression is an everyday battle yeah like you like you said in his album like it seemed like he was on the up and up and then two months later like he overdosed like depression isn't just like a one-day thing that you get it like oh i'm over depression now like yeah little things like set it off for sure um and you can bring it back up, and that's what like when you don't have people around you that like you can speak to about it, like you, that care about you, then it becomes a deeper issue. And then you have to pop pills, you have to yeah. do things that I don't know, just make you forget and numb for sure the pain. And so, like this is me speaking on this from a personal level because I my freshman year of college. Um, Finally figured out that I had ADD because I could not pay attention huh. at all. Um, so just went to the doctor, and when I went to the doctor, he was just like, "All right, well, this is like this is just gonna be what I prescribe you. Give you some Adderall. Give me some Adderall." And when he did that, I took it, and then that's when I realized that I had like that I was actually like depressed because when I took the Adderall, like I liked myself, I liked the energy that I had. And so, like, I started taking Adderall as an antidepressant. Mm-hmm. Um, that kept on going up for two years until I got uh, prescribed with 30 milligrams uh, immediate release twice a day. And, like, for people that are, like, on insurance, like, you know, like, that's the highest that you can get before, like, it kicks in to, like, where you have to pay, like, $200 a bottle. Um, and so I was just popping bottles, like, every other week into the point where I ended up overdosing on Adderall. Um, I was staying in Kansas city with my aunt and while I was there, um, I was just in my vehicle out in the parking lot. I just took a half a bottle in one day, uh, just because like I couldn't stand like how I felt just like being my normal self. And like, I was real life hallucinating. Like I couldn't, I couldn't even, I don't know. Like when my eyes were closed, I saw the same thing. Like when my eyes were open. And so it's, it was a crazy trip, ended up going to the hospital, um, getting, I don't know, some treatment. They put me in some, uh, God, not rehab room, detox room. Detox, yeah. yeah. I'm trying to think of the word. Put me in a detox room. Yeah, rehab room. Um, literally after that day, I quit cold turkey, but that's not to say that 
the addiction isn't real because so real quick after you quit cold turkey did you have any like withdrawal effects or any side effects from it? Oh yeah, I did. Um, I could like I literally slept so much. Um, I didn't want to get out of bed, and so like literally the only times that I would get out of bed would to be to eat, and then I would just go right back and sleep again. And so that was the biggest thing that was the side effects. I didn't have any motivation to go out and like to talk to anybody, so I just like pretty much cut everybody off. Yeah. After the, that, the reason I asked this is because a lot of people who have been also conditioned that pills are okay and have been taking those to numb something or to have fun or whatever just because that's, that's what internet clout tells you to do. Yeah. You take it and then you realize, oh, this shit's bad for me and I need to stop. And <clears throat> even if you stop, you still have these symptoms. We had people pass away. I'm trying to think of what the name of the person was. It's totally blanking from my head right now. But he stopped taking any pills but he had withdrawal symptoms to the point where he had a seizure and died because of his – need for his chemical dependency on something like this and so whether or not you end up having an experience where you realize that you need to quit or you don't it can come from both ways juice world obviously got to the point where he took too many and he wasn't seeming like he was going to quit anytime soon but then you have people who are quitting because they know it's bad for them and they're still having symptoms so just it just needs to stop but it doesn't seem like it's going to yeah. stop anytime soon because every new face that's coming out in music right now talks about that as their main content point for oh, yeah. everything that they talk about. And then like right now, the whole EDM like raving is like the thing that's in yeah. for this generation. Um, and the drugs that are connotated with that are crazy, crazy. too. Yeah. Molly and, and so, ecstasy and all that stuff. <clears throat> but it's like the crazy thing is that if you remember KOD, J. Cole's album, this is exactly what he was talking about. Yeah. This is the exact thing that he was talking about. Rappers rapping for relevancy. Um and for sure. thinking about, okay, I'm a rap to this generation right now only leads you to pretty much killing yourself. And you yeah. only writing this wave. And like when they when these kids get older, they're going to realize, okay, well, I can't do that anymore. Like, I got kids yeah. of my own. And so, like, that music is, like, irrelevant to me. For sure. And so, now, nowadays, these rappers are wanting to ride this wave, but not understanding, like, the longevity of it and killing themselves just to get this, like, little fame. But I can't, I can't blame them because they are making millions mm-hmm. of dollars doing this. So we're talking – we can't really come from a rapper's perspective because we might have some bars here and there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but we aren't famous rappers who are yeah. blowing up off SoundCloud, making millions and buying whatever they want to. So we're let's come from a, a music listener perspective. So as much as we enjoy this music thoroughly because it is – it's fun to listen to. Yeah. And we're not even in that stage of life. A lot of these kids that are listening to this are in high school or college and they're all partying like crazy. And mm-hmm. they're like – it's fun. It's perfect for what they want to do. So from an average listener perspective, like what can we do to stop glorifying this? And I, I guess I'll ask you guys as well for you listening. Like maybe even pause this and think about it for yourself if this is some music that you listen to. Like – but I'm obviously going to ask Devon because we're real people. <laughs> you're, you're real too. <laughs> we're like in person talking. Yeah. So what can we do as an average listener to stop glorifying this and perpetuating this to make them feel like they have to keep doing it in order to stay famous or stay relevant? Is that even our business? Is that something we can control? I don't think we can control it. Um, we have a voice and we can speak that out. 
but we're only two people. Like, yeah. And so I think until us as a culture or until this generation gets older and realizes that, okay, this is actually isn't cool. This is actually hurting me. Um, and like they take the voice from the rappers and like, hey, like, no, like this is not what we want to yeah. listen to. This is not the kind of trend that we want to be on. We want better for our lives. Then the rappers, they're not going to change what they're doing because they're making money off of it. And so money speaks a lot louder than words. Yeah, especially when most of the people that are coming up big like this, didn't not all, money. but yeah, most of them didn't have money. They didn't have a support system. They didn't have somebody to talk to when they were growing up. And so yeah. the things that they have as outlets that are beautiful, that are really important, and that are one of the reasons why we love music so much is they're able to be therapeutic in writing their own music. Yeah. But if that's the only thing that they're seeking they're still lonely and they have thousands and thousands and millions of people listening to this music. And all these kids are saying, man, I relate to this. This is what, but, but it ends there. Yeah. All they're doing at at a certain point, you can't just listen to music as therapy. Like there's more that needs to happen. There's more conversations that need to be had. And it seems like this music just halts it and people just, X is a really good example. Mm. You said that you, the other day with his new album, had to just stop listening to it because it brought you to a place of depression that you feel like you were starting to get into a rut just from music. Yeah. Yeah. No, his, um, so his music got me through so much. Um, And I think listening to his music nowadays, like I can't even listen to his album 17 anymore. Because um, I was a right around the time where I went into my deep depression and when I was going to commit suicide. But so like just like listening to that makes me like think about that moment, like the feelings that I was feeling in that moment. Mm-hmm. And so with X and this new album, like just hearing his voice again or just like hearing like things like school shooter and just like mm-hmm. the pain in his voice. Um, the real pain that he was going through just like kind of awoke all those feelings for me. But you were right in the fact that it's like, yes, they speak towards those feelings that you have in that moment, but it doesn't allow you to go deeper, like into the issue. Like, okay, like why do you feel this? Like, how can we fix this problem? Um, and I think that's like music is a great outlet for us to explain our emotions, Mm -hmm. but explaining them does not always come to like freedom from them for sure so i hear you saying i guess what i'm saying too is that music is a piece of the puzzle but it isn't the entire puzzle it's not at all um therapy is a huge piece of that puzzle Mm -hmm. counseling is a huge piece of that puzzle um having people around you that care about you and that love you is a huge piece um and i think that's probably some of the biggest things that you need alongside with music music is therapeutic um yeah there's some things that i just want to vibe through with music and i don't want to talk to people about and that's healthier for me than going out and talking to somebody and me feeling more frustrated because i can't explain how i'm feeling 100 but also like i have to put that on myself it's like okay after i get through that state of okay i need to listen to music i need to get this out of me um I have to go back and circle around like, okay, well, what made me feel that way? And yeah. now I need to go and talk to somebody about that so I don't get back to that same place. For sure. Yeah. And we're absolutely saying this because we hope that we can shed a little bit of this knowledge 
to either a kid that's listening to this or one of you guys so that you can share it with a kid like Davon and I, but Davon with what you just said is smart enough to know that music is not the final answer. But for a lot of kids, it's not in their realm of ideas like that just doesn't register to them. So, and I guess we've had a lot of call to actions in this podcast and I think it's kind of good, but (laughs) if you are listening to this, man, kids need a lot of kids do not have a support system and people who care about them deep enough for them to feel like they're worth it. And if you are feeling any sense of conviction towards this, man, just be a cheerleader. You don't have to do anything other than just say, Hey, I love you. And I'm proud of you to a kid that you've made a relationship with. It's as simple as that. There's no pressure, but something, I, I don't know exactly what the science is, but successful life for a lot of our kids means having five people that are on their team that are a cheerleader for them saying, good job. I'm proud of you. Mm -hmm. Having people like that in your life is so, so, so important. And if you're an adult or a college student or even somebody who's a high schooler, like take a step into somebody and put your pride aside. And even if it's just a dumb little thing, like I'm proud of you goes a long way. That one of my favorite pictures of all time that I like to think in my head when I think of God is all the stuff that I'm doing down here. I can think, oh, this is amazing. All these things that I'm doing is, is incredible. But what I kind of picture a little bit of what God doing is I'm like this little toddler that just wrote a bunch of scribbles down on a piece of paper. <laughs> and I'm like, look, God, look. And he's like, I love you so much. I'm so proud of you. That is beautiful. In re- in reality, it's just a bunch of scribbles on a piece of paper, but he is a God who loves us so deeply that yeah. that encouragement is something that he's going to have regardless, and that love is something that he's going to have regardless. And so if you can be that for somebody, I think that is a absolutely beautiful picture of you being able to show Jesus' love for kids in an everyday scenario. Yeah. Are we done? I think we're done. I, I, I feel like I was thinking maybe let's talk about Lizzo, but I think yo, <laughs> we just stop. did 50, we just did stop. 50 minutes of whatever we just of talked deep about. Feelings, of deep then feelings. Then and then we're let's talk about Lizzo, Lizzo with her ass out. <laughs> with the 4X. 4X Oh, my gosh. Yeah, let's not get into that. This this podcast was a little bit short, but I think... I think we had a lot of depth in this. I think this actually might be this might be for my me one. yeah other than the second one i, yeah. I still love, the, the second one was just so like influential and it like the building blocks of us like starting to get our groove yeah everything like that i for think sure. we should have just put the kaepernick and like everything about that yeah in the beginning for sure other than at the end but we'll learn for sure we're learning yeah thanks for sticking along for the ride with us once again, if you guys want to share this, if you, I mean, if you enjoy this and if this is something that this is relatable or good for you, please share it with your friends. Please do. Uh, we don't even at this point. I mean, we've had like three hundred people listen to the last couple, and we've made ninety eight cents. Like literally made ninety eight <laughs> cents. So it's not even about the money right now. It's, it's really just about giving a voice to people who might not have a voice. Yeah. And so we hope to continue to do that and we will continue to do that so if you really love what you're hearing or even just one thing stuck out to you like share it with a friend yep yep so all right well 
Are we good? I think we're good, man. Right. Well, hey, is... we uh, we love you guys. I say that at the end of every wow, podcast, but we love you guys, and we're so thankful for you. Go ahead and finish off. All right. Well, this is Davon and Tyler. Why isn't it Tyler and Davon now? Dear Lord. All right. <laughs> hey, we love you guys. Um, this is Tyler and Davon signing Jeez. off. Intuition about these women and suspicion Got me looking at shit different How a man in my position Can't start slipping down these slopes Cause it's all just As a kid I didn't learn that but